Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy. Pardon my slight energy levels being what they are. It is day one of Ramadan when I am filming this, which basically means I am hangry and thirsty and horny and all the other fun stuff in between. I get to say that to you guys because it's fun. But anyway, today's guest is a brother from another mother. He is uh, one of my friends that I absolutely love. I cannot wait till we uh, post quarantine that we can hang out and meet up in person and go for food. I say that because that's probably the only thought process I have right now. It's not really fair. There's a pack of peanuts on my desk. That being said, I want to welcome my friend and brother, Stephen Summers. Stephen, I'm sorry I got your name wrong the last time we did this. That's okay. I'll forgive you, Adel. I, I was calling you Adil for a long time. So, hey, we're, we're even, right? <laughs> we're fine. We're okay. We're all good. The lady is here, though. Oh man, I'm so happy to do this. And just a quick heads up: Did we actually decide on a winner in the end? Uh, yeah, Dean was the winner. Yeah, Dean was the winner. Dean, you get yeah. a shout out right now. Uh, we'll send. Yeah. We'll we'll speak to you real soon. But uh, I sent him an won. email. Actually, I think about it. So he, he, I think he knows he's a winner. So yeah, uh, he didn't message me. <laughs> he should have. But anyway, this episode. Uh, before we get started, please rate, review, subscribe, and share the show. The more love we get, the better it will always be. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else on line. That being said, today's episode is sponsored by SideHustleHeroes.com, which is incredible because initially it started off as a small little thing, and now it's expansively grown to this sprawling monster. By the time the show comes out, we'll have a couple of more things in there as well. Um, but essentially, this this is your baby. Side Hustle Heroes is your baby. And I got to ask, what made it happen, Stephen? Like, why? Yeah. So I've been running a company called Marketplace Superheroes. I'm just obsessed with superheroes, so I, I make just no apologies for that at all. And uh, yeah, so I, I was running that company, still do, uh, obviously with thousands of students and learning how to sell on Amazon. But during that period, the problem has been that some students, not all, but some students come to me and they say, well, Stephen, I love all this stuff. I want to get my business up and running, but I don't have enough skills, I don't have enough money, I'm not making enough money in my job right now in order to fund my business effectively. And so I listened to this for so long and I kept, you know, I made different suggestions to people over time. I talked about my story where I did a lot of side hustles whenever I was up and coming, which I can happily talk about and share some of the things I did. Uh, but I suppose one of the big kind of moments for my audience was when I talked about the fact that I became a copywriter a long time ago. I am definitely don't consider myself necessarily a copywriter now and never would have got to your level at all. But at the same time, you know, I did well enough that I could charge good money to do the work that I was doing. And so that helped me fund a lot of my initial business a long time ago. So cutting a long story short, I looked at this and I said, okay, well then, People started saying, Stephen, teach me copyright and teach me this, teach me that. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's take a step and let's see what I can help you with. So one of the things that we were doing was we were getting on podcasts. Uh, I was on your show before. Yeah. I'm here again, and thankfully, and I thank you love, for that. Love the fact that you're here. And I will tell the story of how this happened because it was kind of incredible, a spur of the moment thing, but we'll sure. continue on. Yeah, so basically I was getting onto a lot of podcasts and, and I, I had done it years ago when I started growing Marketplace Superheroes, stopped doing it. I don't know why. And I was doing the Jay Abraham analysis of my business one day about nearly two years ago, a year and a half ago now, I think maybe. And I started to see, whoa, hold on a second. One of the biggest things that I did to grow my business was I got on the podcast and I shared value. I didn't care whether or not people came back to my site and they did because I didn't care. I wasn't one of those people who was just pitching something all the time. Yeah. And so basically I realized, well, I got I to do this again. So we, we started using some different uh, agencies who would book us on the shows. Some were good. Some were not so good. Ultimately, though, we realized, like, we, just, we should just bring this in-house or just give it to one person. And that's what we did. We, we brought one person in just to book me on the shows. And we got onto way more shows because of that. We made it a real part of our business. And I kind of looked at it and I said – that's something people should be doing because I, it, it grows my business. So for the expert, it's a no brainer uh, for the, for somebody who's booking people onto shows. My whole thing was just get one or two clients yeah. get them onto multiple shows a week and charge a relatively small amount of money, hundred, $200 a booking, you know, uh, don't go mad. I've just, people tried to charge me two grand to get on the show one time, which is hilarious. Wow. 
Um, but the point was, it was just a, a really no-brainer side hustle. So we put it out to my audience, and I thought, you know, people could come check it out. And it was amazing, you know. Yeah. Seen, saw people get their first brand in less than 30 days and all that. Rachel, shout out to you, Rachel, for doing so. Yeah. And also, uh, this is a perfect opportunity for me to call Stephen an asshole on, uh, on air, because I can't actually Thank do you. that today because it's my show. Yeah, he mentioned me on his course, and I got so many emails. Like yeah. it was so. It'll never end. It'll never end. So. It'll never end. It's not a bad thing because I love having guests on the show. But also, it was a case of like, holy crap, that's a lot of people. Because yeah. I, I was like, who are you? How did you? How did you find me? Because like, I'm always curious. Like, how do you know who I am? You know, because um, like, it's a weird transition. I don't know if you've actually experienced this, but it's a weird transition of being in the industry for as long as we have been. Yeah. I still don't see myself in that higher echelon at times. Like I know I am in what I do, yeah. but as far as it goes, I still might see myself as a regular day-to-day guy who goes on. And does, like we have this discussion pre-show. Um, our living expenses are not that high. Like for the amount of money that we get perceived and projections, obviously you outlined me because like you guys are killing it right now, but you know, it's a goal. It's a good place for me to run towards. Sure. Um, it still surprises me that like in my head, I do not feel like I'm at that level, but it's, it's that way for everyone else. So, um, I think the minute you, you think though, you're somebody you're in trouble. Yeah. You're in trouble. Right? You're, you're going to turn into a complete asshole and no one's going to like you. And no one's going to, not you. even the nice kind. You're going to become a hairy asshole. Let me explain. There's a wax asshole, which is smooth. It's sweet. It's lovely. Then you have a hairy asshole. that's just full of crap and no one cares anymore. So that's basically <laughs> what will end up happening to you. Enjoy the visual representation of my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I, 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 I totally get that actually. And I think as well for you and for myself, you know, the reason people want to do business with us, learn from us is the fact that, you know, we're, people just feel like they can talk to us because they can. And yes, I've had to hire, I never know what to call um, my assistant. I don't like the word assistant. I'll have to come up with a better name. But you know, I've had to bring in someone like that in my life because again, I've got so busy, so much going on, running four companies now. You know, you cannot do that on your own, right? Life but ultimately, manager. like, yeah, we're still the same guys, right? And that's the thing. And anybody listening today, like, if you were and where I started, I'm sure where you started, Adel, where like I wasn't making very much money ten years ago. Uh, I was for, very far away from where I am today, yeah. uh, income-wise. And you can get there. It just takes. It does take time, though, and I, it frustrates me to no end then that people have this expectation due to some, as our, our mutual friend, I'm sure Andre Chaperon calls them, the purus, right? <laughs> where they're promising all this crazy stuff to people who don't have the skills yet to make a lot of money, right? They really don't. I mean, that's that's the thing. you got to build them. I was having a conversation with a guy, uh, a copywriter yesterday, and he said that he's been doing this for six months. And he goes, I've written a webinar. I've written two sales letters. I've done it, and my clients are making no money. He's like, one of my clients hasn't even mailed out yet. And I was like, dude, you've literally been here six months. Yeah. I'm just sorry. Oh, just just shh. sit down in the corner. Like, yeah. do your, you're in kindergarten, basically. Yes. Let yourself do kindergarten shit. Um, and a perfect example is like, I was thinking, like, as soon as you said it, I was like, wow, a decade ago, I was 20 and I was living at home with my parents still. Like, yeah. that, that's where my life was. I didn't make a lot of money. I just lived at home. I was in Leicester. And it's crazy in the last decade where I've moved to and what I've done. Yeah. But it takes time. Like, where I'm at today, where um, even when we were on the show, where I could spit out copy in conversation took time that that's a talent that like uh, develops but something it's i want funny. to yeah because i did the same thing i was doing a we were chatting about the program i was running the other day for side hustle heroes and yep. i was talking about email sequences and it was interesting because i just said to people look i was showing an example of like a kind of a seinfeld style email where yep. you know you could put into your business at like in between sequences and stuff like that and basically i just said look give me anything that happened in your life and i'll show you how to tie it into what i do like selling stuff on amazon for example so this guy gave me this uh, example which was um a broken water a heater right it was his thing so that was his story and like i had to tie that into uh learning to sell on amazon but it's so funny because you literally can tie anything in when you get good as you say yeah. it was spitting out copy but i think anybody listening it's like that's where you get to when you do achieve a level of mastery. And I think mastery is something that's so rare nowadays yeah. uh, because people don't celebrate that. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, when you have true mastery, what you think is easy. Other people are like, wow, how'd you do that? And that's something I struggle with often. Like, I mean, I find something comes naturally to me. 
I sometimes undervalue it. And by yeah. listening, you might have the same thing right now. It's about understanding the difference, you know? It really is. And something you touch upon that is underestimating your value. And I want to, I want to touch on this, but first I want to kind of like really tell people how this came about. Like yeah. the second episode, because I, I, I teased you guys with this, but there is an excellent story behind it. And specifically it was, uh, Stephen asked me to do a training for his group around podcasting because, you know, I've had this show scary to believe we've been like seven years now, six, wow. seven years. Like yeah. it's like consistently doing it. Um, for at least five. You asked me about like, how would I want to be pitched? And of course I was giving out examples. And it just got to a point where we were discussing and uh, I think it was you that just said, yeah, I, you know, me and you really should get back on a show sometime. I was like, I would love that. And then immediately we had immediate feedback with a bunch of people going, yes, that would be amazing. You guys should totally get together. And that's how Doug won because someone had to pitch the idea to me. Uh, Doug got the best pitch, though there were some real contenders. There were some, there were some real contenders in there. Yeah. There's about seven or eight people that messaged in uh, straight away. And um uh, that was incredible. Like, now to ch- touch back to what we were talking about, like how you actually marry anything um, into your copy. And I want to touch upon mastery as well, but I like, will start with that one. How do you personally actually marry a subject into copy? Because obviously there's m- multiple ways, but I want to see how your thought process is. Yeah. This. So the, the water meter example, because that was super boring, and I thought that was a good one to tackle. I basically said, and I can't remember the exact thing I said, but it was something along the lines of the idea that um, I told a story and the story was myself and my wife, we were watching Breaking Bad last night and we were enjoying it. And there was a scene where we, we didn't know whether Jesse Pinkman was going to get arrested or not. And all of a sudden we just hear this crazy loud banging. And I thought it was in the show, but then I realized it couldn't be in the show. So it's kind of funny. And I thought, what the hell is that sound? So I went upstairs and I just heard upstairs, my water heater was banging like crazy. Like it was going to explode. My wife screamed. Uh, I looked at her and told her to calm down like I was Indiana Jones or something like that. And I said, look, let's go and I'll call the guy, come and get this fixed for me. So immediately I pulled out my phone, rang three companies. Uh, Two of them told me they couldn't come and see me right now. And the third company said, I can come see you right now, but I'm going to have to charge you a lot more for it. I was a little bit disappointed, but at the same time, this thing was going to explode. So I said, look, come, if you can get here right now, I will pay you whatever you want. Guy arrived, cut a long story short, he fixed the water meter and my house didn't explode. Now, here's the thing about that. I paid more money to this guy just because he could come and see me. It was available. And here's the thing about selling on Amazon. The reason most people win when they sell on Amazon rather than in a store is because most times when you go to a store, how many times have you gone there and the product's not available that you want to buy right now? And so blah, 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 blah. So I just tied it in like that, right? I, and then I, I love it. that. Yeah. Sorry, just applauding you right now from my perspective, because that was well done. I actually, when you were doing that, I was like, God damn, how's he going to tie this in? Oh, damn, he tied it in. That's I it though. You know, that. I, I, I think what I, the principle I had was, anyway, what I do is I, I look at the story, I isolate the macro principle, uh, I look for the hook, I create the connection, and then I, I put together yeah. the, the story, basically. That's quite interesting because I have, I have a slightly, I think my way is similar. I've never actually documented like how you just did it. Cause uh, me, yeah, yeah. It's good me, when you have to do that, right? You learn absolutely. a lot. I, I've, uh, so one of the things I did with, um, I'm very, very happy around this quarantine time that we were doing it. Uh, I sat down and actually made a systems and process for every, so an SMP, SOP uh, for uh, every bit of copy that we create. So like blog posts has, so for writing sales letters, you've seen me. I have a set system and that set system is in my head that I can just start discussing a sales letter out of the blue. Out of the blue. I didn't do this for emails, squeeze pages, or anything else because I thought they would just be easy. The moment I created those, life became so much easier. Like I can look at something and be like, I know where I'm going with this. But yes. I don't I have the same structure. Easy. Yeah, I was going to yeah, for, for anybody listening, maybe you're, you know, you're in copy or you're looking to build a side hustle or whatever you're looking to do. I just think a good lesson to learn is that like, People, I was, here's what happened to me when I started in business. I used to go onto Google, I would search business ideas, and if my business idea came up in Google, I'd be like, oh, I can't do that now. Yes. That's how bad I started, right? I know I was just a moron of business, right? But as time has gone on, like, I, I realized more and more, not only is it vital to have other people that are there that are already doing what you're looking to do, and you can obviously innovate upon that, but even in your business then, we have to have a very structured approach like you were talking about to how we do anything. 
Because if, you, if you're constantly trying to come up with a new email sequence, quote unquote, or new whatever all the time, you can never grow. Like even in your own business, if you're literally just trying to come up with a brand new idea that's never been done before, it's the single worst idea possible. So one of the big lessons, and I recorded an audio book yesterday, Adel, I think you'll, be, you'll like this idea. I turned it into an event just so I would get it done. I said, you can come and listen to me record my audio book, Side Hustle Hero, and you can listen to the whole thing. It took me 90 minutes to, to record the book, right? But on the recording, uh, I, was, I was talking about this, and I was, sort of, I was saying that pre-proven processes is something that you should look for in your life. So, for example, you were telling me about a program you've got coming up, which I'm really excited about, where you're going to teach your pre-proven process for how you're writing emails and different yeah. pieces of copy, how you're you know, getting um, resurrecting dead lists and stuff. I hope I'm not ruining the surprise yeah. for anybody. To, to give you guys an idea, though, because I, I, there's an episode, I think it's like episode nine of Think Like a Copywriter on my Facebook where we actually discuss this. But I want to just point this out later on down the line. We're going to mention that. Steven, I told him literally everything on all the funnel sequence. He, he called me a blithering idiot for not charging more than I should. Have. Oh, no, it, you're a mental like, yeah, it's usually like around four grand worth of stuff that I'm giving you, but like I'm charging less than 200 for it. Yeah, no, it, it, no 100% should be. I mean, I know because like, like here's the thing, like for me, I'll pl- I'm going to plug what you're doing into what we're doing because it's extra. I collect sequences like Indiana Jones, right? Yeah. I'm just constantly collecting sequences, like all this little treasure that we yeah. can put into businesses because that's, that's what you do. And so anyway, the pre-proven process is the same idea, guys. Like if you're trying to figure out what business to be in, Sometimes it's just better to go with something that's already proven, a process, and just become an executor of that process rather than trying to be like some kind of business genius. And I think the reason, Adel, that this is even a thing is because we watch stuff like Shark Tank. Yeah. We're like, oh, that's how business works. You come up with some brand new idea that's never been thought of. You go and get money for it, or Dragon's Den. You'll get money for it, and it becomes this big thing. And that's like such a small, tiny percentage of businesses actually start like that. It's yeah. crazy, you know? I was actually going to say, as far as saying, I think the other reason is fear. And this is one I've dealt with before because like, it always seems that whenever I'm about to launch something, seven of my closest friends are like, yeah, we're launching the exact same thing like in the same industries. You're like, really? Right now at the same time? Why would you do this? Because it's like, it always happens. But here's the truth that I found. A, collaboration is always important because they could be launching completely something different or something similar, but it has it's delivered differently because it's you and it's them. Whole different thoughts of how you execute things. Secondly, that's your friend. That means that if they're going to go ahead and compete on this, guess what that means? There is an audience ready to buy. You're just you're taking another percentage of the pie. You're not trying to eat the entire pie. You're splitting yeah. it. You might as well get a percentage as well. And the third thing touches upon the same thing you just said uh, previously mastery there is a lack of mastery i think a lot of people while they have fear it's they haven't spent the time to master their craft and it's something that you and i had a discussion about uh, a while ago i don't know if you remember i think you remember it, uh, it was about a month and a half ago mm-hmm. where i discussed that i spend more of my time more of the last 12 years of my career mastering my craft rather than marketing myself but right now i'm marketing myself more which of course it's gonna sound really stupid I'll ask this question to you. What do you think is harder, marketing yourself or being a master at what you do? Marketing yourself, for sure. Uh, um, just because you got to divorce yourself from so many things, right? Oh, I agree. But I think that's it's tougher internally for mental sense. But I'll I'm tell you something. For- I have an, but I've got a big, a big thing about this, right? Go for it. I, I, I wish it was my content. It's not. It's Dan Kennedy's content. And oh, this legend. changed my life 110%. And here's what it is, right? It's this, it's, and I'm sure you've heard this before, Adel, but it's the, it's the doing of the thing is not where the value is, yep. right? And this is a big problem we have there because yes, becoming a master of copywriting, for example, if that's the career you're going to go into yeah. is important. However, the minute you see yourself as just a copywriter, quote unquote, I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying, oh no, if anyone, person, anyone. right, you're in big trouble. Like for yeah. me, if I saw myself as, well, I'm an Amazon seller, I'm in big trouble. Why is that? Because it's like when people say, oh, I'm going to start a pizza business here in Wexford, the little town I'm from. It's like, yeah, but does Wexford need a pizza business? And I'm like, I don't really care. I just want to be in the pizza business. So I'm going to do a pizza store. It's why most people fail. Whereas what you've got to realize is you're not in the thing business. 
you're in the marketing of the thing business. And yeah. so what you're saying, like, is what I think I said to you on that call. It's like, you're so good at what you do. You're more than good enough. Now it's like, you know, what, you, what you're doing now, which is, yeah, it's great. It's like, you know, it's marketing of the thing. And then the next income shift, so that's income shift one. And the second income shift two that you listening today can make is understanding you're just in the marketing business full stop. And so for me, that was a big thing of like, I can market anything. Okay, would well, I have to learn about the market? Of course, and learn about the avatar and write the avatar and get speaking to people? Of course, goes without saying, learn the market, learn who the players are. Yes, of course. But at the end of the day, like you're just, a, you're a marketer. And it's not that difficult to do. Huge. No, but that's, that, that kind of comes back to what I wanted to say, was a case of most people today, are like marketing the thing is so simple compared to mastering the thing. I would agree and with that, actually. That, that, that's where I was getting at, was most people spend, um, oh, no, for sure. No, you're, what you said is 1 billion percent valid and actually very true. And I have a question for you later on uh, around that. But yeah. specifically, what I was going to say was there's a lot of, um, and I'm sure you've seen this, the problem I had with copywriters, at least the last couple of years ago, was we had an influx of what I call fake copywriters. These are people that came in and they were like, I'm gonna charge 10 grand. They were excellent marketing themselves, but they were charging people 10, 20, 30 grand and they would never de deliver that result before. Yeah. Uh, perfect example is I had, um, so I um, and Rachel and a few other people have found this out and I think they found this out with you as well because it's just who we are. We're very approachable people. Like you can send us a message and if we have time, we'll respond back to you. If we don't have time, we'll apologize. Say, hey, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Hope you're well. Um, but we always do. I had someone ask me like, oh, how much should I charge this client? I'm brand new. I'm like, what's the most money you've ever made your client? Like nothing. I'm like, okay, start with a hundred bucks. Start with 500 bucks. Uh, something low end, easy. Take a percentage on the back end if you can, or just work for a percentage if you want to, fair enough. But there isn't, um, in today's world, I agree, you shouldn't do, if you're good at something, don't do it for free. But if you're learning a new skill, try and get as much experience as possible because yeah. the thing is, especially with something like copywriting, um, to give you guys an idea on my own personal career, I went the first four or five years without a single loss in my career, like meaning every letter I wrote made money for my clients. Yeah. That's a rarity. But when I had my first loss, fucking knocked me like to six and then I found my way back. But that's only with experience do you get that good that you don't actually slip and fall permanently. And what I was getting at is my main point is I consciously made the decision when I looked at it and went, okay, what's harder, marketing myself or mastering this thing? I'm like mastering this thing. So in a weird backward way, I spent most of my time mastering the hard thing and now mastering the marketing of the hard thing, which evidently in comparison is a lot easier because you understand what you're doing. Yeah. Now, it takes like, time, right? Of like, course. Like it, it, it takes time. Anything that you want to be, anything worth doing takes time. Like making a souffle because yeah. goddamn, those souffles are, are very, very hard to make. I tried to make one a couple of weeks ago. But one of my, the, the question I wanted to ask you, and it's one I usually say for the end of the show, but I think I'm going to ask you a different question then. Sure. What, and I'm going to, hmm, like wondering how I would structure this. Okay, screw it. We're going to do it this way. So who are some of the influences that you would recommend everyone listening in goes and looks at. So of course we've got Dan Kennedy, but is there any specific stuff around Dan Kennedy that they should go check out to begin with and anyone else? Uh, Weird. Hold on a second. I think I'm cutting out for some strange career. I don't know what the hell happened there. Yeah. Same if guys. We're back on. Okay. Wait, hold on. So for uh, the people that heard the gobbly noise on both sides, that was a network error. I think more on one or both of our sides, so it's all good and well. Uh, what I was going to actually ask you was like, who would you recommend? Because obviously you've got Dan Candy in there, but yeah. what Dan Candy stuff would you recommend people check out? Uh, yeah. And who else, like books and courses and stuff like that, would you recommend people check out just simply to sure. understand how to market their thing? So philosophy of wealth which is incredibly important before you get into marketing. I love Dan Kennedy's Wealth Attraction in the New Economy. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure it's called. Uh, that's a brilliant book. It'll teach you a lot of principles of like around belief and stuff like that before you get into even working with people because a lot of people hold a lot of guilt around money and stuff like that. It's yeah. a great book for getting rid of all that crap and just freeing, freeing it out of your mind so that you can focus on actually going forward. Uh, in terms of courses from Dan Kennedy, I own a lot. Um, mm -hmm. 
Some of them, again, I would just another, it, there's one of them you can buy, but you can get it on YouTube for free and it's not illegal because they uploaded it themselves. It's a, it's a wealth attraction one. Again, I know it's, I've literally given you two wealth attraction ones. And I've done that for a reason because that is the start of everything. So you can check it out on YouTube. There's three DVDs, I think, and they're all up there. You, you should watch. Uh, huge. In terms of then very like specific is content. It, is it wealth attraction seminar or? Yeah, it is. That's right. Yeah. yeah there we go. Yeah. So it, it's basically that, guys. You guys can pick it up. Um, yeah. Pretty yeah it's, it's great. That's, that's so good. There's so many things in there. So many things I still talk about are really great in that, in that seminar. Then in terms of then specifics, um, one of the courses I really like, but I don't know if it's appropriate for everybody, but it was great for me. It was Renegade Millionaire. It's a great program. Taught me a lot about just business philosophy then. So like how do you structure your business correctly? What types of businesses should you go into and stuff like that? And on from that then, he also has a sales. Um, it was actually a program that teaches one to many presentations, but you can apply the same model to not only webinars, but the sales letters as well. And that was really good. So there, there are ones from Dan Kennedy. Other, other people then that I listen to uh, would be people like Todd Brown, smart dude when it comes to marketing funnels, obviously Russell Brunson, you know, um, Russell and fairness to him, Guy created a really su successful company with ClickFunnels. I think he's done a great job of really like modernizing and, and popularizing funnels. But really, I think for me, what I take from Russell is like, it's very much the overall picture. And what I tend to do in a lot of my programs is teach the specifics of each of those things and really apply them to, specific, to businesses. I think that's the gap that I would say in a lot of people that teach stuff they teach like a very general process and you like even Dan Kennedy and you take your business and you apply it. I try to really apply pieces of what these guys do specifically so that people can understand how to grab that piece and apply it directly into a company. Uh, but again, I'm not saying I'm better than those guys. I'm just saying that's, that's like what, one of the things I do. And uh, other than that, then, I mean, there's so many people I, I would literally have to go through my phone and tell you everybody that I bought stuff from because I invest, so much. Even today, I literally invest six figures a year in my education, you know? I think, I think that's the truth. And it's something I remember when I was younger was people saying um, how much money they spent on their education. I used to think it was like, no way, you don't do that. And then I looked at my library and um, you guys have seen, like you guys have seen, I'll post a photo of it later. But essentially my library, just like my, so I've got a small corner of physical courses because all the stuff I buy is digital. Yeah, but my physical courses, there's about well over 25 grand's worth of physical courses in the corner. And, and it's not, it doesn't even look like much. It's got like expert empires, breakthrough advertising that the Titans did. Oh, the man, Anthony, Anthony Robbins time of your life. Uh, and this yep. is one, this is a kind of a throwback that a lot of people don't realize. Um, Frank Kern's mass control 2.0 yep. still holds value to this day. Like it's the weirdest thing. It like a he, lot of the principles work, the strategies different. let me tell you about that i'll just tell you real quick about that one just because before i forget yeah that what frank kern did which was really 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 smart again i, I like you i've learned pieces from everybody right yeah. one of the things he came up with which i loved was and a lot of people have tackled the same idea in different ways but he had this thing where you know he was talking about Beachbody, that company for example who do p90x and everything for anybody mm -hmm. who doesn't know and insanity and yeah, and so what and Sandy, yeah. And so what, what what they did was they they couldn't sell their programs very effectively back in the day. And they're like, what can we do to get people interested and help our help ourselves stand out? So they came up with this idea and they basically looked at well, what are the processes by which people, you know, build muscle and everything else? And obviously one of the principles of weightlifting is progressive overload, which people in the fitness industry know a lot more than I do about. But all that means is you obviously overload the muscle progressively and you grow stronger over time, et cetera. They were like, we need to come up with a different term for the same thing that can help people ask a question. Oh, what's that? Tell me more about it. So they came up with the idea of muscle confusion. That was their their take on that, which was like, you have to confuse the muscle by increasing the weight, which is basically just progressive overload. And he talked about this and he said, you got to come up with specific terms in your business that are unique to you. And when you're talking about what you do, you, you talk about those processes so that people will say, 
hmm, tell me more. And that one little idea alone, I'd like, man, that, if I paid two grand just to get that, it's like that was so valuable and has been so valuable to me in my career. It's unbelievable. So does that still hold up? Like, absolutely. That material is still very relevant when you can look at the macro principles, you know? Agreed. Could you just repeat that last point for me again? Because I want to make sure that I write this down. It's a show note for me. The whole thing? Or no, just, you... just the last bit. Uh, yeah, so I was saying that they, the progressive overload was the known principle. And yeah. um, I then said that Beachbody went for muscle confusion. Is that the part you want me to go yeah, over again? Th- no, that's actually perfect because that was the... Uh, yeah, was muscle exactly. confusion. And it's so funny, right? Because it's such a kind of daft... Uh, phrase but this is the problem people have then right it's like joe wicks for example he's obviously in the uk very successful uh, fitness trainer fitness trainers like oh joe wicks his stuff's terrible right because it's he doesn't go on about the all the uh what's called all the uh what's the word all like the specific fitness phrases and everything the jargon he doesn't talk he he doesn't use their terminology no he makes it understandable to to you and i let's just say even though we're pretty knowledgeable in this area he makes it understandable to people so that can be a mass-produced message and the guy is you know he's doing millions of people are watching this stuff every week while these other trainers make hardly any money and so that's the thing too it's like creating these ideas you're not creating them so that you sound smart it's like what someone said to me recently and I blew my mind. You're not creating your content. You're creating your audience's content. And that was like a real moment in my life of like, wow, that's why I have to make a billion Amazon research videos for my YouTube channel and come up with different ways and little hacks to do research because that's my audience's content. That's what they want to see. And that's what they need to see in order to know that I'm the right person and my company is the right company to help them get that result. And so these, these principles, like everyone teaches them slightly differently. Like, I mean, Russell Brunson, for example, he took the concept of the hero's journey and applied it in what he calls an epiphany bridge script, which basically just means it's a way for you to tell your story, to tell a story and tie it back in kind of like what we talked about, but a little bit differently so that people can have an epiphany. Because whenever you did something, something happened in your life where you changed and everything changed from that moment on. So how did you get to that, that moment of epiphany? That's a, that's a structure for how to tell that. The reason I say all this is because when you, can, when you understand these principles, you can apply them to any business and you can become wildly successful. The problem a lot of people have is that they want to sound intelligent and they don't get their, they don't look at the macro principles all the time and draw from that lessons that can change your life. I think I kind of wobbled at the end, but you know what I mean? No, no, you're 1000% correct there because that is something that I myself struggled with for some time. And it's just incredible um, how people don't actually take a lot of that on board. Yeah, And like, it, it's just by shifting what is normal into something new, giving it a new name automatically changes you or taking an old piece of information and transforming it. I mean, like Kern's a perfect example of him taking Dan Candy's principles and applying it to a new form and medium and then running with it. Yep. Uh, and it's incredible. But that's very, very powerful. And you've given some great suggestions there. So guys, the links will be in the descriptions below. Uh, as always. Now, one of my questions that I definitely have for you, Stephen, more than anything else in the world, I really wanted to find out, because uh, last time we did discuss Amazon and such. Yeah. But this time, what I want to say is that, like, what do you see as kind of uh, the trend that's coming on right now for like the yeah. next couple of years? Because like the economy's mm-hmm. going to take some time to recover. I still think Amazon info products and that kind of thing are still going to be prevalently, if not more so than ever before. Yeah. My question is, what do you see as a trend that's coming up? So, uh, yeah, I was, I'm not going to talk too much about Amazon, but I will mention it at the top just to kind of bookend that. And I'll say that Amazon during this time have blown up, as a lot of you guys might may or may not be aware. They had to hire over 100,000 extra workers just to keep up the demand. So I think long-term, Amazon are going to win from this time simply because whenever everything went down, Amazon was still available and you could still buy you know, there was, 
I don't want to say, but there was a really funny story where somebody was had bought some kind of sex toy on Amazon and it got it kind of went viral uh, during this whole time. And Amazon were the people that were still you could still buy it from, right? So I think right. that that's it's kind of funny, but also, you know, it's kind of a big principle too that they were the people company that were still there, right? So I think they'll win long term from that. And obviously our clients are seeing really big things happening typically right now. Anyway, that being said, I think for anybody listening who is maybe going, look, I'm I'm more looking to offer my skills to the market and make money so I can build even a part-time income to begin with and a full-time income over time. The thing that I see such a big opportunity for people is like, there's a, I, I'm in my office right now. I got in here to do the recording this morning. Downstairs, there is a shoe shop, right? And I met the guy just whenever a Corona thing kicked off and he had a whole bunch of shoe boxes in his hands. And I said to him, he sort of looked at me knowingly and was like, oh, I'm sure you're doing okay right now kind of thing. I was like, well, look, man, it's our warehouses and stuff have to close and everything, but overall we're okay and stuff like that. Because uh, we run a freight company as well. And so that was cool. And he, he, I basically said to him, look, did you sell those online? The, the, the shoes you got? And he's like, yeah, we made a couple of sales in our store, but you know, it's not enough to, to make a dent kind of thing. I said it to him, I was like, when this whole thing blows over, I'm sure you're going to put a little more time into that store. And he's like, man, absolutely. I wish I had actually put people on an email list and done a lot of the things that I, I said to business owners. My accountant then, I immediately got him to start doing Zoom calls for his audience, for his clients, so that they could get information and get help. And they're actually overwhelmed with business now because they've been available for their clients not that I am a genius or anything. It's just like, these are the obvious You're, signs. You are a genius. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, we'll see. But the obvious signs here for every local business then is like, we've got to start diversifying. We've got to start putting people onto an email list because a couple of weeks ago, you would have kind of said, nah, it's not for me. Now you've been, you've not been able to trade for months now. So do you, does anybody listening, you can probably see like there's going to be a massive shift in local businesses getting their online, you know, house in order much more than ever before. So for local service businesses, uh, you know, my financial advisor, for example, he now is conducting business through Zoom. Um, and he was telling me like he's saving hours every single day because he doesn't have to drive to Dublin, which is the capital of Ireland, obviously. Uh, and he, he lives about two hours away from there. And stuff like that to do meetings, which, you know, take up all day, you get a little bit done. So we're going to see a huge shift. Obviously, Zoom have like exploded as a company as well. Yeah. So hey, listen, like guys, you know, more than ever helping companies get online and then companies that are online, obviously, as more people move online, it's going to become more competitive. So you're going to have to be a better marketer, be a better business in order to, to, to thrive and survive, obviously, as well. So for me, like, there's just skills that are going to be always needed, like, media buying skills, uh, copywriting skills, because copywriting is just having a change right now. It's, 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 you know, there's still a huge, huge place for email marketing. It's huge in our business, sales letters. But yeah, now, as you know, Adel, like, you know, you got to be able to write DSLs now, webinars now. And, and the great thing is that like things like webinars are going to become so normal because we're all on Zoom. So more than ever, the online opportunity is going to blow up bigger and bigger. And, you know, it's just, get on get on that train you know i agree it's it's one of those crazy things and it comes back to what we were saying earlier about mastery knowing your pathways and something i'd say right now um like there is there are like a certain handful of skills in my opinion that you should always be putting stock into no matter what the economical uh, economy looks like or what happens in the world and that is selling Selling should be one of the key things you put, put your energy into. Marketing is next. Um, and mindset is the third. Because the thing is, if your mindset is correct and you've got the sales ability and you're able to market, you are never going to go without income. You're just not because people are going to always need you. And a perfect example. So something that I, my friends and I, we're weird. We like to do really weird things, such as every so often we'll play a game known as murder. And murder means that you basically, we, we figure out how to kill our friend uh, and then they have to pick holes in our strategy. That's cool. Yeah. It's a great way of just figuring, like it's a, it's a funnel exercise on ridiculousness of yeah. what my friends are like. But the same thing happens here when we're discussing um, 
other things. So one of the ones that came up for us was homelessness. Like how quickly if we lost everything and were homeless, how quickly would we be homeless? And I realized I'd be homeless for around three days, Mm -hmm. like at the max three days. And the reason being is day one, I would be freaking out. Day two, I would start crafting and reaching out to people. And day three, I would probably walk into a commission-only sales job with two requirements. One, they let me sleep in the office, because if I don't have a home, at least I'll sleep in the office. And two, they can start right away. Guarantee you by the end of that week, I would have money in my account. I have enough money by the end of that week to go do something. And the reason is because I figured out sales. I figured out, I'm figuring out how to market myself. I figured out marketing for others. And I figured out my mindset because day one, your mindset is going to get a little bit shaky. I mean, as we said, when Corona hit, it was like a deer in headlights moment for most people in the world. And now was the time to put that hustle in and get ahead. Now, speaking of hustling and getting ahead, because you did this around the same time Side Hustle Heroes, I got to ask, and because you are a huge fan of superhero movies, Mm -hmm. who do you actually relate to most as a superhero? I'll, I'll explain why this is there in a second, but like, who do you most re- relate to as a superhero? Yes, there's a few. I've thought about this because I, I was at a talk last year. T- Todd Herman was giving about the alter ego effect. Which great, made, great stuff. Yeah, great stuff. And he was talking about this and he's like, you know, select a person, real or imaginary, who you can embody in moments where maybe you don't feel confident or whatever. So just on that note, which isn't necessarily that I, I connect, but I would say the person I thought of was Tony Stark in that situation. Because mm-hmm. in the Marvel movies, like Stark is so confident, maybe cocky a little bit too, like you know, some would say, but at the end, but, he, but it, he's still so in control all the time. And no matter what happens, it seems like he always has a plan. He formulates a plan. He's able to respond to things in the environment. He's proactive about certain things. I just felt like that's the guy who I'd want to be. Uh, so that's that. In terms of who I relate to the most, that's actually a good question. That's one I've not really considered all that much, uh, really. But I would say for me, um, in in many ways, it's Bruce Wayne. But I love Batman. But also the reason I feel like I relate to him is because he obviously had a massive loss in his life, as did yeah. I. Like I was, I was telling you about my brother passing away a long time ago. But but that loss for me wasn't like a murder or anything. But, but it was the, the loss of somebody was what really had me begin to start questioning a lot of things. And we were talking about that homeless thing, homelessness thing. And uh, I just think not enough people question their life question what's going on right now question the beliefs of other people as other people as well and that journey for me was the thing that helped me start questioning everything around me and i feel like bruce wayne you know he he had that same journey of like questioning why am i even here like what's the purpose of me uh, being on earth being alive why what's the point like and of course he found purpose in becoming Batman, obviously, and as well as that in being a billionaire and, 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 you know, offering that a lot of services to people and stuff like that. So for me, yeah, like I'd say on an emotional level, Bruce Wayne, but on a like alter ego, if I'm not feeling confident, who can I channel? Tony Stark all day. So essentially you're a hybrid of the Iron Batman. Basically, yeah, that's me. That's my that's my superhero Actually, thing oh right God. there. If if I could actually draw that out, I know exactly how I would draw that out. <laughs> but I actually would be imagine if they did actually combine, that would be sick because Iron Man with all of his flight capabilities and stuff like that. Um yeah. and Batman, Batman obviously with a lot of his like technological abilities as well, detective abilities that I think Stark maybe doesn't have. That no. could be a serious combo, actually. Oh, for sure. They should totally have a spin-off show for that. Though, to be fair, thinking of spin-off shows, I've got a really fun one to tell you about later if you're a Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan. Um, oh, yeah. Start watching season six this morning, actually. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'll tell you I'll tell you after the show because uh, I don't want to spoil it for, for everyone here, but it's an idea that I have for a spin-off. But anyway, I love the idea that you have that with... Um, with diff- I have that with different people. So funnily enough, I have Tony Stark, Iron Man, very similar thought processes when things get tough. Yeah. Uh, when things get really tough and I like, I feel wronged or something like that, uh, or not, not even that, sorry. When I need to be stoic in my approach of 
completing tasks and I'm freaking out, uh, I actually go into Keanu Reeves slash John Wick. Yes. The reason is because, <laughs> like, consummate professional, but never angry. Like, if you, if you actually see how many times John Wick screams, like Keanu Reeves screams in the John Wick movies, it's, like, twice. Yeah. Like, the entire time, he's, like, so... Even his threats are calm, which is incredible. Yeah, and even, like, there's dudes shooting at him from every angle, but when he's reloading that gun, he's just in that moment reloading the gun. Yeah. And I feel like, again, for a lot of us right now, it's just funny what you said about deer in the headlights moment. Whenever this corona thing hit, I had the same moment. Like a lot of people might look at me and think, oh, Steven's like got it all together and he never like wavered for a second. And like I did, like whenever this thing started kicking off, I started to do what humans do, which is I started to um, simulate a future. And that's one of the things we have as humans. That's it's what makes us different from animals. Uh, well, we are an animal, but from, from, you know, monkeys and whatever is the fact that we can actually simulate the, fu- simulate the future and create a plan. And the problem with simulating the future actually is that you don't really know what the future holds. You don't know all the variables. So immediately I realized that and I brought myself back to a book that I really love and it was called how to stop worrying and start living by Dale Carnegie. Excellent. The guy who wrote how to win friends and influence people, of course. But in the first chapter of that book, Adel, there's advice in there that stood, it stood me in great stead for my whole life. And he basically says, you've got to live in daytight compartments. And all that means is that obviously you, you accept the past because you can't do anything about it. The future, you think about it and you, you do make a plan. But at the end of the day, you just stay in the now. You stay in today. And that's something that I think is advice for anybody. Like if you're starting a side hustle, you're in business right now, whatever, the more you can focus down on today and get today right. If you keep getting today right, you're going to get three months from now. Correct. You're going to get a year from now. Correct. The problem I think we have as a society is because we're all living in some ways in the future all the time, what we're going to do and isn't life going to be great when we have all this stuff. We rob ourselves of the biggest gift, which is today. And how can I make the most of today? There's another quote I heard, I think it was from an Amish guy. And he said, you want to suck the marrow from the day, right? It's kind of a weird thing to say, but I get a little bit, right? A little bit of a weird thing to say, I agree. And you're hungry right now, so apologies. But (laughs) uh, but, that at me, he's like, yeah, so food related (laughs) puns. Yeah, I'm going to do more of those. But uh (laughs) But, but you know, he, he, it's right what he says, though. You know, it's like you get the most out of today. Get everything you can from today. And that doesn't mean, like, you hustle all day. That's been a mistake I've made of late as I've been hustling way too much because I've been working from home. My day has been a bit affected. Like, I, I've not had my usual stuff going on. But again, like, you, you catch yourself on. You live in daytime compartments. You channel that you're Tony Stark or whoever. You make the plan like you're talking about with your murder plot and your homelessness plot. And you just focus day to day and getting the thing done. And the big thing for anybody listening right now is that you just have to have a long-term outlook and whatever you're doing. If you're starting a side hustle, you're getting some, you're getting a skill like we've talked about in this show today, whatever it is, have a longer term time frame in mind because that's what's going to actually get you the result. Whereas, as we all know, you know, going from zero to a hundred grand a month, there's people who tell you you can do it in 30 days and they're full of shit. Simple yep. as that, you know. Yep. I mean, the only th- there are some people. There's exceptions to the rule. Obviously, there are some people that do, but they're not the rule. They're just as a way, as a as a good way of thinking is always just follow the rule and assume that you are the rule. It will make life so much uh, so much better and so much easier in that same sense. And there are so many things that you just said there that my brain wants to kind of go, "Ooh, fiddle with this." But one thing I will add to: if you're having a tough time in your in your day to day, where you're like, "How do I do this?" There's another principle I like to follow called the no zero day principle. And a no zero day is you essentially set up 1% of your day, which is oddly only 14 minutes of your day. And you say for 14 minutes, they set a timer. I do it this way. For 14 minutes, I'm going to work on one thing that's going to move me 1% close to what I want. And you set a time 14 minutes. And that's it. Once you're done, you've now completed your task. 
the rest of the day is yours to do as you will because it's already a victory. You've already won the day. Now, anything you do, you do on top of that is gravy. And you might be thinking, well, Adel, I can't do, I can't write a sales letter in 14 minutes. I'm like, true. Some people can, some people can't. But what you can do is get the concept ready. And that could be your big goal for today. If you've got a sales letter to hand in on Sunday and it's Monday, uh, start with writing a, a plan. Tuesday, write the outline. Wednesday, write the headline. And then start building out pieces where you do 14-minute increments on this one thing every day. You'd be surprised where your life ends up in like six months. Yeah. I actually love that, dude. And it's also like the 14 minutes thing is great advice. And I, as I heard that in the past, it was just even about an hour, 60 minutes, you know, uh, for example. But I love your 14 minutes thing. I think it's awesome. But even like if you take an hour or you take 14 minutes or whatever, the compounding effect of that is insane. And it's such a gift, like to give yourself that compounding effect. And like I have a thing called Rule of Five that I follow, which I learned from Jack Canfield. And it just basically means every day, five things that move you towards those goals that are important to you. And they can be as small as, you know, add five people on Facebook who could be great people to add to your network. Uh, send two emails, add three people, you know, whatever. You can make it really work for you. Obviously you can't have, you know, write five, five sales letters today because that's ridiculous. But what you yeah, could yeah. do is you could, you could, you chunk things down. That's another principle. So we haven't got time to get into all the principles, but point entirely is, that just being really intentional with what you're going to do day to day and really focusing in on that compounding effect, know that little every day or five days a week or whatever is so much better than just a bit here, a bit there. You rob yourself so much momentum when you do that. And, uh, you know, the only reason that I'm now, you know, a millionaire, quote unquote, although technically I am, which I, I don't care about that, but, you know, some people do. Um, the reason that like I am at that place right now and our businesses are doing, you know, I think we did 22 grand collected cash yesterday in our businesses. And the reason we're at that level is simply down to the fact that I'm stuck to doing the thing. We've got mm -hmm. systems and processes now that we just, that keep us consistent. And yeah, there's times when we do a promotion for something or other and it doesn't do as well as other times. But here's the thing, even if like a promotion just did five grand, Let's say you did a weekly promotion in your business. You made just five grand every single time. Well, it's still five by 52. It's over 250 grand a year. It's more money, money than most businesses make full stop. Right. And my point is that if you did the five grand and you went, Oh, but we usually do 20. Ah, it's no good. Let's just stop doing these. Well, then you do 20, but you only do it a few times a year. Let's say I get to do a hundred. You would have had another 150 grand had you just been consistent with something that didn't impress you as much, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And one of the principles that we discussed as well before this call was how leaving money in your business to reinvest is such a powerful thing to do. And a lot of people don't do that. Absolutely. I mean, it's, but this is the problem entirely, dude. You know, we live in a world where we're all chasing massive incomes, but I mean, at a real level, what you learn when you get to that point where you're making a massive income, like we chatted about is, it's a complete misnomer because if you were pulling out 300 grand a year, I've done it before, uh, you pay half of that in tax, you know, typically. Um, so you've given away 150 straight away to the tax man or woman and you brought home 150, but you could have put some of that into actually just growing your business further, taking a little bit less. But at the end of the day, if you make uh, 80 grand, well, I say 100 grand or, or 150, that extra 50 is not going to mean very much to you at all in your day-to-day -day life. And that's the thing, like we, there's a number, I think it's 85,000 a year. I think that's dollars as well. Is like the accepted amount of money that a person can make and have the optimum amount of happiness scientifically. It was so, 250,000 or something like that. I don't think it was that much. No, I don't think it was that much, dude. I think, I think it was less. A yearly, like, I think it was less. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. No, no, I think you're right. I think 185,000 was like, you'll have everything. 250,000 is to live that dream millionaire life that everyone wants. Sure. But I actually would say, it's like, I don't know. Like I, I, I would say if you're making a hundred, you have absolutely everything you could ever want. I believe unless of course, you know, for you're one of those people who decides that like a Lamborghini or whatever is important to you. And that's cool if that's what you're into. But I mean, one thing I've learned as I've gone on, like the clothes I wear, are like kind of old, I wear old shoes. 
I just don't give a crap about that stuff. It doesn't do anything for me at all. But then, you know, my business partner, Rob, like Rob likes having newer stuff, newer clothes and shoes. And you know, that's great because he gets happiness from that. I got a book the other day from Amazon and the happiness I felt was unbelievable because it was a book I really wanted. And it turned up, it was Traffic Secrets, the new Russell Brunson book, ooh, actually. Oh, let me know how that is, because I haven't ordered mine yet. The reason good. It's okay. good. I, I, I'd heard him talk about pretty much everything, but it was great just to have it. One thing I took away from it was just getting a better publishing schedule in our business, so we just implemented that straight away. Uh, but it's a great book for anybody who's not really knowledgeable of what Russell does and stuff, but a very, very enjoyable book. But the thing about it was that little 20 pounds book was huge for me. And I'm so happy and I'll read that and I'll get, I'll make probably a couple of million from that over the course of the next few years. And that's cool, but that's not what it's all about. Equally this morning, I got up early, just couldn't sleep. And you know what I did? I went downstairs and I played Grand Theft Auto 5. Uh, PlayStation and Xbox? Uh, PlayStation. Oh, well, we need I, to pick up some time on that. I'm actually an accomplished FIFA player, would you believe, on the PlayStation. My, my buddy and I, Fergal, we're in Division 1 in the world on co-op on FIFA. Uh, so, yeah, like, and, and so, like, these are things that give me so much joy. Really? Yeah. Dude, it's like the little things I tell people. Like, for me, my, so I am a huge games nerd, very similarly. Um, and to give you an idea, so Gears of War 3 was my jam. Like, I've realized I find certain games I just kind of, like, fall in love with. But Gears of War 3... Uh, me and three of my friends, at, speaking of records, me and my friends actually held the world, like held a top 1,000 person list and one of the top five to actually finish their wow. horde mode on Insane with a three-man team. <laughs> um, we did all 50 waves. The first time we did it, it took us six hours. Because oh, I remember we started playing at 10, and, 10 at night and we finished at four. And bless him, George, one of the guys that was on this, he was invigilating an exam the next morning. And he was like, screw it, I'm going to keep playing. It's like, why? It's like, we're so close. Yeah. And then, like, the, I think we got our time down to, like, two hours and 53 minutes of, like, completing 50 waves of just pure destruction. Um, but, no, I mean, stuff like that gives me the most joy because it's little little wins. And, um, and, and as we said, like, you don't have to have the massive thing. It's like uh, the massive house and everything like we can do. But I live in London, and I'll tell you this right now. So I used to live in a one-bedroom house, one-bedroom flat in Soho. Um, not huge. It's about a third of the size of the place I live in now, which is excellent. But back then, I calculated, like, optimal living expenses, everything, going out and whatever. To live like a quote-unquote king in Soho, you only need about 45 to 50 grand a year. Which, yeah. let's be honest, if, we're, if you're pulling in 185,000 plus, yeah, you're pretty much sorted. The, mm -hmm. uh, and this is the thing, like, yes, we, people, unless you get control of your discipline of spending, because we do do that, um, you will forever be in a cycle. And this is my own, this is advice for you guys from someone that has screwed it up multiple times. Um, get really good at making sure you put money aside. Like that's the, that's the principle I would give people is like get good yeah. at putting money aside and spend things on things that you like, but make sure it's quite, like, it's something you actually want. Don't just be like, okay, I'm going to go buy like 10 new red dresses this month because I can, you know, if that makes you happy by all means, but look at it and go, okay, I'll go with one red dress, see how I feel. If I want 10 more, if I want nine more, then go for it, but start with one. Yeah. Yeah, I I would I would go along with all that, and I think the other only thing I would add to that is definitely getting money aside, but then and getting better at making money because I think yeah. one of the things I just would make sure you guys don't take away from that. I agree with everything you said, Adel, of course, but I think for me, I used to listen to advice of people saying, you know, uh, cut down your spending and stuff like that, and I used to think I could like slash my way to wealth. Nah. Such a mistake. You, you know, I think with the the overarching principle which you're you're saying there as well as get money aside. Absolutely. But really, first of all, focus on making more money, which is what you're saying anyway. And I think oh, with, you, you got to do the two things at the same time. You got to learn how to make more money and you got to save more money. That's basically what it is. Yeah. And it's, well, it, it's funny though, because then when you get to certain income levels and I, again, a lot of finish up, I know. Um, but I mean, when you get to certain income levels too, like, you know, you, it does get to a point where saving money stops becoming sensible. But again, it'll take you, it takes a while to get there and you start moving into 
being smarter with your money. So like you might have a company and then you have like a, might have a director's pension fund inside your company. And then you take some of your income, you put it in there and you don't get taxed until you take it out and all that. And that's the thing, like when you're making money and you're trying to make money, um, you think that's like the hard part, but genuinely when people say it, it's true. The actual hard part is keeping the money. <laughs> that's yeah. the tricky part. You know? Gary Halbert said it best. Uh, he goes, I he goes, I spend money like a fish drinks water. It's like it goes, my ability to spend a lot of money doesn't uh, doesn't what was it? My ability to make a lot of money does not necessarily mean I keep a lot of money. I just spend a lot of money. <laughs> and, uh, Gary was like, uh, to put it nicely, he was the prototype of a fuck up that made it. Yep. And yep. honestly, like that's one thing. Even like his sons have said. If we were you, we would not let you like have our dad's ability to make money, but we don't want you to have our, ability, our dad's ability to spend the money. Yeah, and I think if you look at Bond now, you see a very different dude. You know, I've met him, met him uh, not so long ago, and he's a very reserved guy. So he learned that lesson. You know, yeah, very uh, different to his dad. Very because like, his dad, while reserved, was a bit of a madman. Oh yeah, like oh, God, yeah. he made he made Don Draper at times blush. So to say it nicely but steven it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today um man we have covered so much guys like i wanted to ask a few other questions so of course we're gonna have to do a round three at some point oh of course yeah and we'll, um, uh, we'll get you over on my side as well for sure and we can, we can go another way definitely yeah. thanks so much for having me on man i really appreciate it uh it's it's always a pleasure Likewise, my friend. Likewise. And guys, uh, I want you to do me a favor when the show comes out. If Steven hasn't posted a picture of himself with a beard by this point, uh, we got we to gotta do it. Like, November beard has to be a thing. Or November, what was it? December. <laughs> November and December. This year, we'll do it with him uh, and see what happens. But guys, check out SideHustleHeroes.com. Um, go check it out. There's a bunch of free stuff on there that you guys can get access to. The Facebook group's absolutely active. It's all amazingness. And there's just a lot more coming out. By the time the show comes out, there'll be about three or four, there'll be around three uh, or four, maybe more side hustles that you guys can like drop into the work in your favor. And trust me, it is it, it's going to be incredible. I, I know a couple of things because I've spoken to Stephen, but they're going to be incredible. Um, and as always, please rate, subscribe, share, and review the show because it just means that we can actually help more people out. And if you want to check out previous episodes, head on over to adolamarcy.com. That being said, Stephen, thank you so much for being here. And guys, have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, man.